this afternoon for lunch, I had dinner with some local priests, which was a tradition that we've had down in this area, uh, Clark County, for many years. We stopped for a couple years during COVID there, but we resumed again this year. And the reason why we get together for lunch on this day is because Thursday is the birth of the priesthood. The Holy Thursday is. So at Holy Thursday, there's so many different things to commemorate and to to bear in mind. And and again, I can only land on one thing, and I'm going to land on the priesthood tonight. But tonight is the Passover meal. Jesus and and his apostles are celebrating the Passover meal. And the whole significance of, of God freeing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt as they passed over uh, through the wilderness and onto the promised land. And, and then Jesus at the Mass is going to have us pass over from this world to the next. And this, of course, is the birth of the first Mass. And so two sacraments begin began tonight 2,000 years ago at the Last Supper. The first is the institution of the ministerial priesthood. Because without priests, there's no Mass. There's no Eucharist. We can say that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Catholic faith. And it is. But without the priesthood, there's no source and summit. And Jesus doesn't pick the 12 holiest guys around. One of them will betray him. Lazarus was holier than Judas. He chooses whom he does. Or he, he allows those who put themselves forward who will. And then he seeks to sanctify them. Because none of them are ready to be saints yet. And his first pope will deny that he even knows him. And worse. So here we are. Tonight, the birth of the first Mass. And the first Mass began at, say, 6 p.m. on Holy Thursday and ended when Jesus died and the sacrifice was made complete. And he died at 3 o'clock on Friday, so the first Mass was 21 hours long. So don't ever complain again about an hour-long or two-hour-long Mass. The first Mass was 21 hours from the beginning of the Passover meal until Jesus was the new sacrificial lamb that became the meal completed in itself when Jesus died. But also tonight is this mysterious foot washing where Jesus in the middle of, of John's... John's has sort of a, a longer, let's say that, a much longer dialogue about what happened at the Last Supper. So the four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke combined don't equal what John says about the Last Supper. John has this ongoing dialogue of what Jesus was saying at the Last Supper. And as we read through that dialogue of what Jesus is saying, you can definitely read between the lines that Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows, A, Judas already met with the Jewish authorities and was already paid the 30 pieces of silver and has the 30 pieces of silver in his possession at the Last Supper. Jesus knows he's already been betrayed. Jesus, the whole night, there's a sense of, for me, as I I read through that part of John's Gospel, it becomes very apparent that there's a kind of grieving that Jesus is going through. I've been betrayed, but this is what I came into the world for. I knew when I entered the world, when I entered the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, that this is how it would work. I would be crucified. Even the Old Testament has references to this mysterious crucifixion, this death. And when he was born and they 
they brought forth the, the, uh, the myrrh, the myrrh, the three wise men, the gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and incense. And then the myrrh was something mysterious about his death because that's what you use to embalm bodies. Jesus has known from the beginning that this is where, this is how it would work. But tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. And so at this dinner with the twelve, there's this foreboding. And we know it's foreboding because when Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane tonight, he'll sweat blood. And he'll say to the Father, if this cup can be taken from me, take it away. But not my will, but your will be done. So we know that he's having a very heavy heart tonight. And so I say that because this is a context in which, which I want to console him. I've been wanting to console him all that long, and I'll continue to console him uh, to Easter Saturday, and, or to Good Holy Saturday and his resurrection. But now I want to speak about this priesthood and the foot washing in particular. So when the priesthood is instituted, so when the priesthood begins with Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, Garden of Eden, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and Adam offers sacrifice to God. The first priest is Adam. Fallen Adam is the first priest. The first and most fundamental thing that a priest does is he offers sacrifice to God. And that's what happens at the Mass. We offer Jesus to the Father in the one never-ending sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. And we can do that because Jesus is God and God is eternal. He's not bound by our laws of time and space. And so every Mass that's said around the world 364 days of the year except for Good Friday, in every Mass around the world, everyone's entering into eternity, into the one never-ending sacrifice of the Son of God to His Father. For what? For the glory of God and the salvation of souls. That's what it was all about the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And so Jesus tonight is beginning the offering. He's going to be the sacrificial lamb. And through his perfect offering, he is going to give God glory that includes himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's going to redeem the human race. He's going to make salvation possible for you and I. And this is what every priest is supposed to be. Every priest is supposed to be another Jesus. And like Jesus, he's supposed to lay down his life for his sheep. He's supposed to take it to Calvary and, and if necessary, let them crucify him for them, for love of the very ones crucifying him. And now that is a tall order. and That's not something that's natural, and that requires... Lots of prayer and the grace of God because it's a supernatural grace to reach that point where we will lay down our lives even for our enemies, even for the ones who slandered us, who took our life, that we would love them enough to lose our life on the chance that they might accept eternal life. This is a super high calling, and this is the calling that every priest has. But from Adam, the first priest, to, I don't know, who Abraham is offering sacrifice, Melchizedek offers sacrifice. These guys are all priests. Uh, we get to Moses is offering a sacrifice. Aaron begins the Levitical priesthood, a priestly caste of people offering the sacrifices. 
And the, the Levitical line of priests ends with John the Baptist. And Jesus enters into the ministerial priesthood. It's not because you're born into the tribe of Levi. Or it's not the one in a million or the one person on earth. You know, the, the Adam or the Abraham who's offering the sacrifice. But now it's a group of misfits. Of 12 men who will accept this invitation. They will accept this invitation. And Jesus will accept it from them. He will accept Judas knowing who he is from the beginning. He will accept even bad priests. And then God will do everything in his power to help those bad priests become good priests. And he'll do everything in his power to help good priests to become a holy and saintly priest. That they might lead their people to heaven. And those people in turn might lead others to heaven. In my own priesthood, which has been an incredible blessing, beyond, I can't put into words what it's been. It's been my salvation, I'm going to say that. That I feel more confident than I would be in doubt. A better than 50% chance. Let's say a two-thirds chance. That if I had not become a priest, I wouldn't be a practicing Catholic. You think, no, I'd just be a really good married man sitting in a pew, just being a really great practicing Catholic man with a, with a boatload of kids. Now it doesn't work like that. It was as if it was one or the other. Either become a priest and give me everything because God knew who I am. Or lose me forever. Because I'm one of these guys that I'm either all in or I'm all out. And God could see the path I was on. So it wasn't just a path of conversion and salvation in my conversion. But it was a path to the priesthood. Because the alternative for me was very, very scary. But here's the other thing, of course. Is that in becoming a priest, God qualifying me. He doesn't call the qualified the qualified are you guys out there who are doctors and, and attorneys and, and engineers and super talented, the A students all the way through. You have these whatever kind of parents who helped you along and all of that business sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You guys usually don't become priests. That's pretty rare because you'll succeed in the world. So he calls the fishermen. He calls the whatever, the, the, the traveling guy who doesn't know who he is yet. And then he raises them up. And in the case of the twelve, all but one would die a saint. Ten of the eleven would die martyrs. Even John was put into vat of boiling oil. They would all lay down their life for Jesus and for the salvation of souls. In my own life, and I don't want to prattle or rattle on here, but in my own priestly life, I have absolutely come to a profound place of the recognition of the great love of suffering. Because for God on earth, the, the willingness to suffer for God and for others is the extent of one's love for God and for others. And I'm still learning that by a long shot, and I've got a long way to go. But I've come a long way. I used to, just even five years ago, I'd think, oh man, I'm so stressed out. I'm, 
working and doing all these things and getting up here and preaching all the time, my nervous system would just be fried or whatever it was. And then somebody would insult me or just, um, you know, or it was just this. After everything that I'm doing, you don't even show up for Mass on Sunday because you don't feel like it today. And, it, and then there was to be this kind of like, okay, Jesus, I don't feel any love in my heart for all those people who just take me for granted or, or, or worse, but I love you and I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to keep it up. But now I realize that there's just an incredible abundance of grace that flows from Calvary. When Jesus is on the cross, it's as if heaven opens up and grace just starts pouring out on the human race. That when you and I suffer for love, and that doesn't mean resent, it means to totally embrace it. Like, okay, this is what it is. I'm going to embrace the crucifixion that is my marriage. I'm going to embrace the crucifixion that is my failed career. My failed, my inability to overcome my addictions. They rule me and control me and enslave me. And I'm going to give them to God. All those different calvaries in our life, and they seem to be never ending. To give them away to God in true love. In true love and then to stand back in line for more. And to never stop until this life is over. That's incredible, whether you're a priest or not. That's incredible. That's the life of the saints. That's the life of the saints. So here's my thing. As I recognize that the real sacrifice that Jesus wants me to make isn't there. It's right here. I am the sacrifice he wants me to make for you. And for untold people, untold people, once in a while people will tell me, from the other side of the country, I've been listening to your homilies online, some relative or something got them connected to my homilies on our website or something. And after 50 years, I've decided to return to the Catholic faith because of you. I know that when I get to heaven that I will see people there that would not have made it if I hadn't become a priest. And then tried to be a good one. Tried to really be a good priest. And again, I got a long way to go. But it's an incredible blessing to lay down one's life, not just for their friends, but for total strangers and even for enemies. It's an amazing life. And so today, at the Last Supper, Jesus washes the feet of the apostles, and this is his thing. Guys, this is, this is the life. If you want to serve me, then you have to do as I've done. You have to come into the world and endure rejection and marginalization and be a set-aside and be lonely and, and, uh, um, and serve even people who, a lot of people are very grateful, but a lot of people don't care. They just take it for granted, etc. All of the above. Wash the feet of everyone. Be the lowest of the low. Be the lowest of the low. There's something in there that catapults one to the highest realm of heaven. So for all of us, 
Let's emulate Jesus Christ. Let's, let's try to be another Christ, like every priest is supposed to be another Jesus. Let's all of us try to be another Jesus Christ. To lay down our lives. To give away without asking the cost. To serve without trying to be uh, measuring what, what another is doing. Or being greedy about our time and our energy and whatever. But to just give away as much as we can. Because God is going to give us infinitely more in return. Infinitely more in return. So I conclude by saying this. Tonight I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. Thank Him for my life, my baptism. I thank Him for my conversion. I thank Him for the priesthood. I thank Him for all the weaknesses that I have. And I got a lot. I thank Him for those because those are the things, my weaknesses, my failures, those are the things that make me a better person when I try to work on them. I thank Him for every lash that I've received, and I've received them all. For every one I've received, I've given two, and I've hurt so many, and I'm so sorry. But all of the above, I thank Him for all of the above, and for what awaits. The hundredfold, the kingdom, eternity, the beatific vision. So much more than I or you will ever give in return. I'm so grateful for all of it, for all of it. And by the grace of God, I hope that all of us can be, even in our trials and in our difficulties, to be grateful for all of this, to recognize the miracle and the gift that it is. And finally, I say this too, pray for priests. They don't don't float down out of heaven. They, They come from you. They come from families like yours. Good Catholic families that aren't producing priests or any religious. Well, where are they going to come from? Where are they, without priests, there's no mass, there's no parishes. So pray for vocations of the priesthood. Pray for the existing priests. Pray for people to see the priesthood as an offering of one's life. Not as a career option, but a laying down of one's life. And then pray accordingly. 